Hey, this is Sayyam Botani and you're listening to Chai Time Data Science, a podcast for data science enthusiasts where I interview practitioners, researchers and cagglers about their journey, experience and talk all things about data science. And welcome to another episode of the Chai Time Data Science Show. In this conversation with one of my peers from the Fast.ai community, James Dellinger, who has a background in software product management from a startup called Peel, and has been studying machine learning slash deep learning full time for the past two years, and recently Fast.ai as a full time student for the past one year, we talk about James' journey into machine learning slash deep learning about image augmentations and a library and image augmentation library called DALI spelled D-A-L-I from NVIDIA. This conversation is based on James article titled quote unquote diving into DALI, how to use NVIDIA's GPU optimized image augmentation library to which you can find a link in the description of this podcast. Also, during our offline conversation, James mentioned that he's on the job market. So please feel free to reach out to him from his contacts linked in the description of this podcast. Here's the conversation all about image augmentations and the DALI library. Enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to this uh, special episode in our podcast series. Today I am joined by James uh, Dellinger, who is also a fast AI fellow. I've had the chance to know him through the community. Uh, we're going to be talking about image augmentation today and a library from NVIDIA that came out recently. It's called uh, DALI. Uh, James had recently put out an amazing blog post, uh, a deep dive into the library. I'll have the uh, link off in the description of this podcast or the YouTube video. Please make sure to check it out. And uh, thanks, James, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Sanyam. Thanks, Sanyam. It's so great to be here and excited to chat about it. Likewise. Uh, so let's let's talk about uh, DALI. Like from NVIDIA's uh, description page, uh, hmm. it's sort of a image augmentation library specifically like they mention it to be a data augmentation library sure uh, can you tell us more about your uh, understanding of it and like uh, we can also discuss why are image augmentations necessary sure um well I, I guess i'll start kind of specifically with dolly first and then we can maybe back up a bit to image augmentation in general um why I jumped into Dolly was I was going through um, the FastAI notebooks from the most recent part two, the 2019 version of uh, FastAI part two. And I've just been going through notebook by notebook and I got to the image augmentation notebook. And through that, um, Jeremy and Sylvain kind of walk us through how to implement kind of the basic most important image transformation such as uh, random crop and resize or rotation or perspective warp. And, and we implement that's, that's from scratch, right? Uh, in and the that's from scratch. Um, we use we use Pillow um, for for a lot of those. Um, and what we found was that Pillow works really fast on like 
one image at a time. So um, it, it kind of like, I think definitely how I'd been doing my image augmentations before using OpenCV or Pillow is it, as far as I'm aware, it runs on the CPU and it does image by image in serial. And that's not an issue if you have a small enough data set or image set. But once you start trying to train like ImageNet or a data set with, you know, potentially like a million images, and if you're going to do it from scratch, you'll start to notice over time that you're spending a whole lot of time on image augmentation and you're going to want to see, is there any way to speed things up? So at the very end of that, um, that class notebook we went through, um, Jeremy actually taught us how to use PyTorch JIT to implement batch image augmentations using the GPU. Um, and what we did was we wrote uh, one script and it was for image rotations uh, and it would take like our, my batch size was 64. Mm-hmm. So it would take 64 images, rotate each image at random all at the same time on the GPU. Uh, and it ran obviously much faster than doing it image by image. <laughs> yeah. And so that was kind of where I was. And then I had been attending the um, in-person study group up at USF during while the course was going on. And one day in study group, Jeremy kind of mentioned that NVIDIA had this library called DALI. Mm-hmm. Um, and he showed us- Did you attend little... the course in person? What? Did, did you attend the part two in person? I did attend in person, yeah. Okay. And so um, he, he kind of mentioned in brief, in passing, there was this library from NVIDIA and he showed us this notebook that he and Sylvan were working on, but we didn't really have time to dive in it too deeply. And then we kind of moved on to the other notebooks and, and wrapped up. Yeah. And so a couple of weeks ago when I was here at home going through the notebooks on my own, I said, I remember that Dali. And I was like, <laughs> I want to see if I can, how does it compare with doing PyTorch JIT? was kind of what I wanted to find out. And I wanted to know like, is it, is it as hard to implement? Do I have to write a script from scratch with 12 lines? Am I gonna to have to do a lot of research on forums? Because mm-hmm. I don't really know how to use JIT. If I wanted to do my own, I'd have to you know, figure it all out from scratch. Yes. Or is there kind of a high level API? And so I went to NVIDIA's website uh, for DALI that has a documentation for the library and stuff. And it looked really great. They were like, yeah, it, it obviously runs really fast because doing image augmentation as a batch on the GPU is kind of a no brainer. Like it just makes sense um, to do a bunch of images at the same time is always better. Um, so I was definitely sold on that. And then it said that um, it's also like has all the image transforms, at least the kind of the mainstream ones. Um, and it's a really easy to, to use API. So I, I gave it a try. Mm-hmm. And then we can kind of go into more of the specifics of what that was like. But that was sort of how I got to the point of like, why am I exploring this? Got it. Uh, so uh, like you, you mentioned Pillow. Uh, like, do you know if it's just FastA? Because I know for sure that FastA bakes in all of the best practices. Uh, sure. Most of the cutting uh, edge practices. So like people are doing ImageNet all of the time, even before DALI came out, right? So uh, sure. was it using just Pillow or... Uh, JIT like scripts? That's a great question. I don't know. If I were to guess, I'd say like, given that we started off learning how to do it in Pillow, um, and I don't remember for sure, but I think I remember Jeremy saying like, most people don't do it on the GPU. Um, okay. My impression was most people are just doing it on the CPU. Um, yeah. Even and, the FastAI and, library, I believe it, it's on the CPU so far. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, 
the main reason we'd want to use the GPU is because it's it's too damn fast compared to the CPU, and like we definitely want that to remove that bottleneck. A uh, part two that comes out in uh, June and is going to be talking about all of these cutting edge practices, like how do we remove this bottleneck? How do we make sure that we're using every performance out of our model? So I'm, I guess that's one of the reasons why we want to use this. For sure, for sure. Great. Uh, and another point I want to ask you is like, uh, if DALI isn't there, how is just using a JIT uh, just-in-time compiler by uh, PyTorch like for this? Yes, project? so that's like, um, so definitely if I ever wanted to do an image rotation, Mm -hmm. on, on the GPU as a batch, I know I can do it because I already have that implemented. Okay. So I've got this great template from FastAI uh, from the course. But if I were to want to say implement Warpafine transforms from mm -hmm. scratch, um, I'm sure it's possible, mm -hmm. um, but it's not clear to me exactly for someone like me who's maybe has about two years of Python experience, yeah. um, how, how, and maybe like I have probably about a year of PyTorch experience, it's not clear to me how long it would take me to kind of learn the ropes of JIT and kind of use that image rotation thing as a template and then glean as much as that as I could, but then do kind of a completely different, a different algorithm. Um, I know Jeremy has mentioned that JIT can be kind of finicky. He says it's improving rapidly, getting better like day by day. Yeah. Um, but when we saw that, that script in class, it, had kind of already gotten to the point of like he'd already debugged it and he and Sylvain had polished it and it sort of just worked. And so yeah. it, uh, he intimated that getting to that point of having it quote unquote just working was not is super easy. <laughs> now, how long that would be for me, like I don't know, um, but it would so, definitely be an interesting, interesting exercise. Interesting. Uh, so t tell us more about Dali, what uh, I know we run a lot of experiments uh, on it, mm. and how's that been an experience compared to uh, the JIT script you mentioned? Sure. And I, I know that it, it must have been a lot better in terms of performance compared to Pillow. Sure. How about uh, the general interface and the general uh, explorations? Sure. So I, I felt like the general interface of DALI was awesome. I felt like it was really straightforward. Um, Working with Dolly, you have to do two things. You have to write a pipeline class, Great. and that basically it's a class, and it subclasses, um, or it inherits from a, a, a Dolly class that's actually just called pipeline. Mm -hmm. And um, inside your class, you just include a line for basically every transform you want to call. Um, and your and that pipeline class it has two methods that you need to define. The first is just a normal init method, yeah. and in that you just create objects or variables for each of your transforms, say image rotation, image resize, et cetera. Then there's one more method called define graph. And if you've ever worked with like TensorFlow or V1.0, this might start to feel familiar for you. Um, you just kind of, you put in a line for each of your rotations in the order you want them to be called. Right. Um, so it's, it's more on the side of static graphs? Very what? much static graph. Okay. So and more so fluid than PyTorch yet. Right. And so the good, another good thing about DALI is it works really well with, well, I didn't try it with TensorFlow, but all the examples on the, on the website and the documentation lead me to believe it works, kind of just works with TensorFlow. And I felt like it 
kind of just works with PyTorch. It's supposed <laughs> to return data loader objects that PyTorch can, can understand. <laughs> Getting it to work with fast AI, especially the, the library that we were building from scratch during part two, yeah. um, that, was, that required a lot, probably like 10 hours of troubleshooting time on my own, not because it was really complex what I had to do. Mm -hmm. It just took me a while to kind of go through and figure out where is it breaking? Okay, where is it breaking now? Like what class do I need to go back and fix? And it actually turned out there were just three simple fixes I had to do to get Dali to work really great with the fast AI that we've been working with in part two. Yeah. But it was that exercise of going in and hunting down what I had to do that took me personally a while to kind of figure out what was going on. Um, a nice side effect of that was that because I did that, it really forced me to understand the ins and outs and the plumbing of all of those classes we had classes. been implementing from scratch during fast AI part two. Got it. Uh so I, I assume like this would also require a lot of uh, expertise with the library that you must have gotten through by going through the part two. And sure. how about uh, interfacing with it in general? So for example, uh, I'm working on a pipeline at work and I, I want to just maybe give this library a shot. Uh, what are your thoughts mm -hmm. on that? So if you have... I feel like I plan to use Dolly going forward, but I would use it for early prototyping when I just wanna, when speed is kind of the name of the game. Um, and I'll get into why in a second that is. If I were kind of, if it were the final week of a Kaggle competition and I just wanted to squeeze out that extra like 0 0.0001 point of performance or something yeah. like uh, on my CV, um, I probably wouldn't use it. And here's why. Um, DALI does support kind of all the basic transforms, rotation, um, image resize, or random crop and resize, which Jeremy, Jeremy mentioned is the most important one because he said that all the ImageNet winners, like as a rule since like 2013, I think it was, have some form of random crop and resize. Yeah. <laughs> Each one of them, that's their augmentation. And then some of the other ones vary. Um, but, but my goal with working with Dali was to say like, okay, does this at least have the augmentations that we implemented from scratch right. uh, in part two? And so that was random crop and resize. Mm -hmm. It was um, image rotation. It was warp transform. And it was flips, like random horizontal or vertical. Um, yeah. And so, and, and, and also each of these, in order for me to consider Dali like quote unquote supporting it, it <laughs> needed to support randomized output. Meaning yeah. if I said rotate images, I can give Dali like a range of angles. And for each and every image in, the, in a batch, it will kind of do it just a little bit different. And because that's what we had implemented from scratch. And, and of, uh, like, could you elaborate on why is the randomness useful? So if, if I just give one angle, why is that not enough? Or if I just put queue in a few angles, 30 degree, 40 degree, why isn't that sure. good? Sure. So um, having randomized output will help our, the model that we train to generalize better to the test set or to brand new unseen things. Mm -hmm. And so the reason for that is um, if, I'm, if I'm always like looking at say a, a, a truck and the truck is always like not tilted, not anything, then my model can get really good at understanding what a truck looks like, but the truck better not be tilted, it better not be fuzzy, it better just be like a perfect picture. But in real life, you know, maybe the camera tilts a little bit, or maybe like you're looking at from underneath and 
and really like you could be looking at, Im at an image from any sort of angle who knows yeah so that's why when we do these transforms we like to perturb them a little bit maybe tilt the image this way or that way rotate it this way or that way and kind of at least for um it it's a little bit different for other image sets like satellite imagery but at least for the image net stuff when it's kind of a, an image that's just facing you um we like to see what it's like to look at it through kind of different lenses or different angles. We don't really like to, we don't want to perturb it. Like we don't want to squish it or stretch it in yeah. a way that would be really unnatural that like you would really never have um, an application where you needed to first take a truck and stretch it really wide and then like <laughs> know that it's a truck. <laughs> yeah. So again, like, you, I assume you'd have to have the knowledge of all of these transforms and maybe some expertise. Or at least knowledge of your data and like understanding of how these transforms would apply to it and give you output. Um, absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely one thing that Dolly, Dolly has it all in there, but it won't, it doesn't have any sort of logic to kind of know, oh, what kind of image net or what kind of image set you have and what kind of transforms you might or might not want. It's definitely not at that level. It kind of expects you to be more, uh, more of a practitioner who's kind of knows what transforms you want to use ahead of time. Uh, contrary to FASTA, because FASTA, I, I've done a deep dive into the existing ones and it has good enough defaults for most of the cases. So FASTA takes care of the defaults for you, which like you said, just works quote unquote for most for of the sure. cases. For sure. Uh, you mentioned about ouncing out performance, for example, during the last week of Kaggle, or if you're putting this into production, you definitely want to use a uh, most of the performance. So right. usually we'd be using, I, I believe C++ pipelines for that hmm. or some other alternative. Uh, do you think this could be used in production as an alternative to it? Or it's, is it still in the early stages for that? If I, my understanding tells me there is no reason why it couldn't be used in production. Um, the reason is because the, although we, you know, tell Dolly what kind of pipeline we want to have and how we, and we pass hyperparameters to the different rotation transforms. We do all of that in a Python API. Yeah. It's everything is written in C++. Everything is optimized for the GPU. Mm -hmm. um, so at least say, assuming that again, if we were talking some, well, actually the, the, the documentation on the website did seem to indicate that even if you had a bunch of like GPUs, it would work with all of them and figure out how to distribute the the augment the batch across all the GPUs. As uh, well. Is it mentioned? Is is that manual or uh, that that that's taken care of by the library? Good question. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I would have to go back and double check in again. Um, I do remember saying that it supported um, several GPUs, but unfortunately from my exper experiments, I just ran it on one GPU. So I wouldn't know if it would automatically know all of that or if you'd have to say, hey, Dolly, here are all my GPUs. Um, <laughs> or if it just knows to go in and check and see like, if like uh, check in your system and, or your CUDA and see what you have. Got it. Um, another thing, uh you've done is uh, you've really benchmarked uh, this and you share the results in your blog post also. So mm. uh, I believe you benchmarked this against both JIT uh, and Pillow. Mm. Uh, how does it compare to both of these in your experience? Sure. So it was tough for me to, I guess, do a, a true apples to apples benchmark with Pillow because with Pillow, we kind of go image by image. Um, 
And Pillow, on average, most of those transforms would do one image in like a couple hundred microseconds. Um, right. And for when I timed Dali, I could see how long it took to run all of my transforms on one batch of 64 images. And if I did like the dimensional analysis and divided by a number of transforms, divided by a number of images, it worked out to something like 600 microseconds per image. Um, so in that regard, you could say it's, it's quite comparable. However, one thing we found was that with Pillow, um, the main bottleneck is loading up those images for the first time. Um, once you have the image loaded and you do transforms, it's fast. But just loading up that image initially can take like five microseconds, at least on my, again, on my AWS. And to me, that just was like, yeah, if I'm taking this long to load each image, then, then I could never, <laughs> Pillow would never even approach um, Dolly. Uh, to our listeners, millisecond might sound a very small, like a very small gap. But when you when you're doing millions of images, it it really gets accounted for. You'd want that to be in micro, if not, hopefully someday nanoseconds. For sure. And then as far as comparison with PyTorch JIT, um, I found that it was so PyTorch JIT could do the one batch of sixty-four image rotations mm-hmm. in about four point three milliseconds. And um, it took um, my Dolly pipeline of say, I think it was about 11 or 12 operations. Um, Of course, um, not every operation was run on each image because again, these were applied randomly. Some images would get rotated and some wouldn't, for example. But all in all, it took um, one batch of with about 12 operations, about like uh, 40, milliseconds and if i divided that by like say again back of the envelope but just divide by 10 or that's like i got four milliseconds yeah per operation and that's kind of reminds me of my 4.3 milliseconds it took to do my rotation on my one batch using pytorch jit so i felt you know i can just say it seems pretty comparable that's pretty similar and that that was pretty reassuring to see um i we should probably get to sort of like the one kind of at this point, I think folks might be saying, okay, great. Dali is like perfect. It's like ready to go. It's yeah. easier to implement probably than a JIT script. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't anyone use it? Um, uh, from what kind I've of understood, it, like, we've also mentioned that it's more tensor flowy. So mm. for, for our fast day friends or people from people who are fans of the PyTorch approach, the TensorFlow 2 point approach also, how like do do you think uh, dali is a good uh, complement to that um you know it's it's funny I, I i guess like no it's not if you're super <laughs> in a pytorch dynamic mode yeah. um for me i mean i i've pretty much been only doing pytorch for the past year before that i had some intro experience with tensorflow um okay. and then kind of uh I'm much more into user-friendliness. So then once I got to PyTorch, I was like, okay, I don't see why I would go back to the old, at least TensorFlow 1.0 style. Um, But even for me who had a little bit of that experience with static, creating the static computation graph, I had to like, it was sort of a little bit of a, what do you call it? Um, Culture shock, getting back into (laughs) doing that again with Dolly. Not not surmountable. It was totally, or not insurmountable. It was totally doable. It just took me kind of, um, so getting used to. through a little frustration and some and some strange like runtime errors. Mm-hmm. 
got it uh so how i look at it is like to conclude uh dali does have all of these great options there's some uh, non ironed out ends for example you can't do randomizations sure. and sure. uh but could you envision it like if you really if you working with this you might be at at a expert level or you re- really trying to put this into production so do you mm. think it's it's a good option just for that particular use case maybe not for an experimentalist right um unfortunately maybe the given where the library is currently at the one irony might be um while it's not suitable for say someone who's a domain expert and kind of picking up maybe they're a few months into their deep learning journey yeah. and maybe they're not quite ready to pick each and every image augmentation on their own mm-hmm. um that kind of person dolly's not suitable for them yet because dolly really wants you to know exactly what you're going to do and yeah. in what order you're going to do it and what parameters <laughs> you're going to pass to it such as i want to rotate my images between plus or minus 30 degrees or plus or minus 7 like you the practitioner need to know that it's very manual so, so that kind of in my mind that means like okay dali really isn't appropriate for just kind of domain experts fresh into deep learning mm-hmm. ironically on the flip side i would say dali isn't really appropriate for experts who want to put a cutting edge model into production okay. <laughs> um what i mean by that is because and this is was in my mind the biggest kind of um downside of dolly mm-hmm. not all augmentations support randomized output so we spent okay. some time a few moments ago talking about image rotations and and why we want it to be random so we can see mm-hmm. all the different angles you know our model can learn to look at a truck from all the way around well it turns out um while like horizontal flips vertical flips image rotations they all support randomness the most uh, common ones that are sure warp affine transforms or perspective tilts and a warp affine is basically something that it makes it look like imagine you have a a, a framed image on your wall mm-hmm. and the image begins to kind of like or the the painting begins to tilt toward you or tilt away okay. from you for example if my if i have my iphone and that's getting tilted in in a 2d image got it for sure and so what what that does is it it's still a 2d image but it looks kind of like oh this truck is sort of falling toward falling out of the screen <laughs> um, we would like those to be um randomized as well and dali doesn't yeah. support that because uh, it, because we 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 fast ai fellows and we're talking 2019 cutting is deep learning and the, these i i think are most of the cutting edge practices that that are being followed everywhere in 2019 for sure for sure and so it it for that and i think there may be one or two other transforms that dali also doesn't support randomization and so this was kind of this was the point at which when i went through and built my own pipeline i was like okay i want to implement each of these four transforms that we learned how to do in fast ai okay and yeah. then instead of just like i didn't want to skip having warp transforms or perspective warps i wanted to do it somehow and i thought okay fine dali doesn't have logic to randomize it but you know no problem I'll write my own we kind of learned how to do that even in class I'll just write my own python method and just call it you know at runtime from yeah. within my pipeline yeah. uh no dice <laughs> do not try that <laughs> that is not static graph programming <laughs> as I, as I painfully found out and what I kind of after hitting my head against that wall a few times I went to the dali website and saw that it was a known issue um 
folks had even requested that the team add randomization to some of these other transforms. Um, and the response from the team was, we don't have the bandwidth to do that right now. Mm -hmm. If you want, you can create your own custom operation. And I Go said, on. okay, well, let me, how do I do that? And it turned <laughs> out Dolly really is written in C++, which I think is a good thing because that means it's optimized for the GPU. Yeah. It's optimized for CUDA. But for me personally, it was a, a bit of a bad thing because I was like, okay, um, <laughs> I need to write this logic in C++ compile it and then import it so I can use it in my um, Dolly computation graph. And then that was a little bit more than I wanted to invest. I think that's even a stretch for most of the practitioners because even <laughs> for the production use cases, I, I believe if, if we're talking to different frameworks, we might expect another team to be taking care of the C++ side of things uh, out there. For sure. For sure. Uh, so that was kind of the main downside. Got it. So how I imagine this would be, uh, you already, like if, if you're doing experiments, mini experiments or such, a CPU should be good enough for you. But um, if you're working on a problem that works just for, and you just need the augmentations that are there inside of this library, uh, mm. it, it could be a great option for you. Uh, I, defi I definitely think so. Um, if you just wanted to like, you know, say you just didn't even really want that many image transforms. You just wanted to resize your images or do random crop and resize. Yeah. Um, then it, it might very well be enough. For, for most of the use cases, I believe the generic apps, hot dog, not hot dog, whatever uh, be the thing, uh, the, these are good enough, I, I think. Sure, for sure. And uh, maybe like, again, it's uh, the, the flip side is you would want to put this uh, on a GPU. So. Usually when we're talking production, everyone is putting it on a CPU, not a GPU. So it's really Correct. for the practitioner who wants to train on a million images. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Just these options that are currently supported, I believe. In the future, right. hopefully they might roll these out. You know, it, uh, it, was, it was interesting. The ticket for adding randomization to the Warp of um, on the GitHub the team definitely, I could tell that they looked at it, and, but it seemed like at least for the time being, they made a firm decision not to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I mean, on the bright side, they're totally welcoming contributors to come in and add it to the library. So if you know C++ or you wanna learn a little C++ and you really have a passion for building image transforms from scratch, I think they would, they would really welcome it. Um, but I didn't, awesome. Like the ticket was closed in February and it's not clear to me that it's coming in the next version. Who knows? It may, but um, maybe know. in a future series, hopefully. Sure. Sure. Got it. Uh, thank you so much, James, for, for that amazing introduction. Um, I, I have James original blog post linked in all of the descriptions along with his experiments. Uh, you can also find uh, James on Twitter or any other place where you can follow your activities? Uh, I would just, yeah, Medium, Twitter. Um, those are probably the two best places, yeah. Uh, James also has an amazing blog post, uh, blog. I'd, I'd encourage you to check out other blog posts as well. We'll have all of those linked uh, in the description of both the YouTube video and the podcast description. Sounds good. Uh, thanks again, James, for joining me today. Thank you so much, Sanya. It was awesome.
थैंक यू सो मच फॉर लिसनिंग टू दिस एपिसोड इफ यू एंजॉय द शो प्लीज बी श्योर टू गिव इट अ रिव्यू और फील फ्री टू शूट मी अ मैसेज यू कैन फाइंड ऑल ऑफ द सोशल मीडिया लिंक्स इन द डिस्क्रिप्शन इफ यू लाइक द शो प्लीज सब्सक्राइब एंड ट्यून इन ईच वीक टू चाई टाइम डेटा साइंस